Jesus. Boy, you're going to be some kind of let down person. You expecting to live a certain age, it may not work out. You certain work, work, you thinking you're going to work at a certain job or you're going to be in control of things, it may not work out. Today, all them things will change, can change. But I tell you one thing, that hope that we have in Jesus. Somebody, now help me. There's a book called Ecclesiastes. When you get to Psalms and you go to Proverbs, right after Proverbs, you're going to find Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes is about a man named Solomon. Now, we could be in a debate what, who's writing this right here, but it's, it's really pointing to King Solomon and his wisdom. And in Ecclesiastes, the first verse, I entitled a message today that true happiness is in Jesus. And I don't know of another reason to preach on anything other than Jesus. Paul says, if I do anything else, he said, let me be accursed. I think what he was saying was, let me be the biggest idiot that was ever on the face of this earth and to call myself a proclaimer of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because anything we would preach, if it don't, if it don't come through the power of the resurrection where we had a Jesus that was laying in the grave and on that third day he arose so we could have a risen Savior. So we can know him through the power of his resurrection. We know about the cross. We know about the shed blood. We know about how he was whipped on the way to a place called Calvary. But without the resurrection, there would be no power in what we have. Now in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, we're going to read verse 9. And, and I pray as I'm looking at you, I pray that I'll get favor with you this morning that you would, as we even read this verse, that we do it together. That you don't get ahead, don't cheat a little bit. Just kind of stay with what the Lord wants you to hear this morning. Hear this verse. Hear this verse this, man, this morning from a man with Lots of wisdom. Lots of wisdom. He had it all going on. More than what we can imagine. And everybody that, that you know that's got anything in the whole wide world, if you put it all together, they wouldn't have what King Solomon had. But at the end of the day, King Solomon said, it's just all vanity. If I miss the joy of Jesus, if I miss what God has for me, he said all this stuff without Christ, without knowing him, if I do get it, he said it would just be vanity. It would be nothing. Look at this verse, verse nine. The thing, somebody say the thing. That hath been, it is that shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Now, I'm going to read it to you again. My men, as we would travel to work and I would get out of the car, so, okay, let's pop lines. We're going to run this side on this wall right here and let's get me some one before We're going to rip them this wide. They would tell me, they said, listen, on our way to work, <laughs> so it won't be so rough on us. They said, if you would just kind of give us a clue on what we're going to be doing today, we could probably be a whole lot more help to you. Now, I realize that I've been pondering this for two or three days. I realize this thing has been brewing 
in my spirit. That's the reason I want to read it one more time. It said, the thing that hath been is the thing that shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Now you can say there's some new thing that's been mattered, but been made, but I'm gonna tell you something, it ain't changed what is. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word lasts forever. We we know it, it's some new things, and, we, and we'll get into that. But I want you to flip over the first kings, go backwards and find in first kings. I just want to share with you that this man, he called out to the Lord. In first Kings, just the ninth verse. He prayed, he said, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I might discern between good and bad. And who is able to judge this? Thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked the thing. And God said to him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked life for thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. He asked for wisdom. And just to show you an example of this man's wisdom, so we can go back and get verse 9, he was approached in this same Time to, to judge a thing. And that thing starts in verse 15. It was a decision that he would have to make. Look at this man's wisdom. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offerings, peace offerings and made a feast unto all the servants. And then came two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and she took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose the morning, I gave my child suck before it was, and behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my child which I did bear. The other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. And the king said, The one saith, This is my son that liveth. Thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but, but thy son is dead, and, and my son is the living. 
Watch this wise man. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the, the living child into two. And give half to the one and half to the other. What a man of wisdom. You said, my word. Look at verse 26. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the, the king. Her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child. And in no wise slit, but the other said, let it be, neither be mine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, give her the living child. And in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged and, and feared the king. And they saw that the wisdom of God was upon him to do judgment. What a brilliant, brilliant man. And other things, he, he was a man of wisdom. He was a man of I thought he was sure enough smart till I heard he had 900 maybe and 50 wives and concubines. <laughs> what man in his right mind wants 900 wives and concubines? <laughs> Shut your mouth. But he was that man of wisdom. And so we come here to this text and we, we read that there's nothing new other than the sun. Everything that is is going to be. It's always going to be from the beginning of time. You go all the way back and, and everybody was, is running from what's right. You go back to the, to the time of the Garden of Eden. You say, well, you know what? It's worse, Brother Eddie, than it's ever been. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's never. I mean, good gracious. Go way back to the Garden of Eden. Pretty simple. You can have it all. Satan comes along. He tempts. They mess it up. Boy, we have sin. Noah goes and builds the ark. He said before the people, look, it's going to rain. You got to get on the boat. You know, the Lord has told me this is the way it's going to be. And what happened? They went the other way. Why in the world have we got a mindset because our adversary, the devil, he doesn't want you to have joy. He doesn't want you to have peace. And all of us and all of our brilliance, we bypass because we don't want to be humble. Bible said he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We, we do not want to get humble just one time and said, Lord, you know it all and I don't know nothing. And if I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have happiness and I'm going to have peace, it's going to come through you. And that's why King Solomon, as I read this one more time now, maybe you can understand a man of wisdom come and wrote to you, as I've told you, ever since the beginning of time that God lays a plan, but we want to go our own way. Huh. Boy, I'd love to preach to you something else right here, but let me read this verse to you again. The thing that hath been, the thing that was, man, I, I wish I could shoot the devil. I mean, I, I wish uh, 
Donna, you know what, how many problems it would solve for us, Brother Tim, if this morning me and you could go just put a, put a bomb in the back britches of, of the devil? Do you know how many things would change? It wouldn't be no devil no more. We would just explode him to little old bitty pieces and that devil would be gone and then all would be left here is love and joy and happiness. Wouldn't that be something? But it ain't going to be that way. But the Bible says that through Christ Jesus, it said we're more than conquerors. It says after we come to Christ Jesus that Satan really, he don't have no reign over us no more. He don't have no rule over us no more. He can't accuse you no more. He, look at, he don't have nothing but what you give him. You, when you come to Christ, you become out of his chains and anything that you do from that point on, it's not because the devil made you do it. It's been just because you done it. But King Solomon come in verse 9, he said, The thing which hath been, when it comes to joy, I mean, you take a, my, how things has changed. I, I was reading yesterday, and I heard it saying this was back, this man's been gone 60 years. And he made the statement. Where he was married, they... Seemed like maybe they had a horse and buggy. You know, where his, his mother, when they married, they, they had a horse and buggy. He said, when I got married, him and his wife had a Model T. And it just went on down, and he said, and when my whatever children got married, they had a, yeah, SUV. And he said, and because he never had them when he died, he said, and my grandchildren, they'll probably get married on a spaceship. He said, but it don't change anything about marriage. He said, real marriage ought to be when two people have fell in love with one another and they want to be with one another and they can't be without one another and they choose to be married because they're inseparable and they don't want to do nothing else but be with that person. See, what is will always be the, the, the things that come up and the objects that come along to go and all the inventions do not change what is. It don't change that. I think about, shoot, me at 39, it's hard to think I can remember this. Brother Harris, you remember picking up the line and Everybody picked up at the same time. <laughs> phone rang and everybody picked up the phone. It'd be 12 folks. Ronnie, you back there grinning. It'd be 12 folks on the phone at one time. Now, I don't even remember how it went, Brother Harris. What would you do? Say, this is for me or... I don't know what happened. Different rings. But them nosy rascals would get on the line and... And, and, and you could hear them when they got on. And you say, we're talking. They say, I'm sorry, but sometimes you will never hear them hang up. 
And you knew what how hear others, and I can just see them, and, and how, they, how they would just sneak in there, and they would ease the receiver off, just <laughs> with no private. Donna, you over there looking like you're looking. You know you remember this. No, you don't. Twelve people on the line at one time, Brother Sam, you remember? Then, do you remember when we had just one phone? Man, you would dial that thing and it. I mean, it'd take more time to dial the phone than it would to have the conversation. You, you would turn it over and back and turn it over and it, it'd run back. And then, and then it come to the day that it got a little fancy and we had some phones, had some buttons on it, numbers. Oh, my word, we were so cool then. My word, it'd have a long cord. We'd get a long cord and we'd stretch it in the living room. You wouldn't believe how long a cord, Chad, folks would have. Just so they could go. Then I, I remember then, my word, time progressed on. Then they came up with a bag phone. Oh, me being a contractor, Brother Reed, I got me a bag phone. I'm talking about a big dog. You can't take it out of your truck. It's got to stay right there. It's plugged in. That's where it's got to be. I can remember working on Brother Al's roof one day, and this guy was helping me, Ed was, and, and he was down there. I was on top. He was handing me plywood, and I had my truck pulled up close. We had to do that at the time. And, and, I, and so phone rang. And Ed said, Brother Eddie, you, you want me to get it? I said, please get the phone. When he picked up the phone, Ed answered it, and Ed was like me, we, we struggling. And Ed said, Brother Eddie, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, it's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> then it wasn't long. Look how much anything, how many inventions has happened. Boy, then we come along with a cell phone. Oh. It was a little old flip deal. It wasn't very big. Or maybe it was big. I can't remember. They said it was huge. <laughs> little flip phone. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter if you was a teenager who you was. If you had one of them, I'm here to tell you, you had it going on. Oh, my word. Here we are in the day now. We got iPhone. Oh, I remember when a computer come out and, you know, you can log on that. Now we've got it carried in our hand. Look here, after all that's changed and all those inventions has changed, has our problems of life gone away? No. Has God changed? Has a peace, the only peace that there is in the world, after all the inventions made and didn't have a wash machine, there was a scrub board, has anything changed? No. There was problems in the household back then. There's still problems today. And that's why King Solomon said, everything is, is going to always be. I mean, as we maybe try to get in this tonight and read it and we maybe can understand more, it's, it's, it's like there ain't going to be nothing new. Them phones didn't change nothing. All that changed, we wouldn't have no conversations I. I wonder sometimes when I see a whole family, and I'm just saying this, we all, all do it, and you see a 
mother and son and mom and daddy. And I, I remember walking the door one day and right here on the second row was four of them, mother, son, uh, uh, mother and father and son and daughter. And they was all four on, on the phone before church started. I said, are y'all talking to one another? Y'all texting one another? <laughs> you know, it don't change anything. That same daddy was hollering at his son before they come in the door. Come here. I mean, it doesn't change. Everything that is still is. There's no invention that's going to change the thing that God wants us all to be lured to. All the inventions will not change. He said, come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your weary soul. A burning desire. You know, as we think about Romans chapter 8, as we turn over there right quick, and that's the reason why I believe it's there. It will say these words, as soon as I find it and you find it. It was just a new light that God shined on this for us this morning. It said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You ain't going to get separated from it. I mean... There's nothing new under sun when it comes to this. And it said, who's going to separate us? It said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or a pearl or sword. It then is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Then it says, no, we're not. We're not counted as sheep for the slaughter. Not, that's not true. But in all things, we are more than conquerors. In him that loved us. Why? Paul said these words. He said, I am persuaded. I mean, this thing has done, grabbed a hold of me. He said, I'm absolutely persuaded. Oh, I'm here to tell you, if you could get persuaded of what Paul's trying to teach us this morning right here in these writings, you'd understand what King Solomon had back there in Ecclesiastes. They said, I'm going to tell you one thing. It ain't only in 2018. It'll be that way in 3018 if you live. Everything that was will be. It will be no change. There will be gadgets. There will be inventions made. And it'll be the same devil. It'll be the same God. And won't nothing in life ever bring you any permanent peace other than Christ Jesus. How come you think? I was thinking yesterday we had a preaching meeting with our men. We got some people that's just come in. They maybe not have been to church as much as others. We're praying for their salvation. It was a shock. I could see it on his face when I said yesterday, I said, how come you think that 70% of the church membership is lost, dying, going to a devil's hell. You know what? You just can't imagine that. It just can't be. Well, I'm going to tell you something the Bible says. The Bible says many is going to come to me in that day. He said the multitude is going to come. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, haven't I done all these things in your name? Don't you understand? There's not no John the Baptist preaching no more. They tell you, you just come down and you just pray your prayer. You show up when you get ready. If you don't want to be active, you don't have to. You just play around with it. God's going to love you. Grace has been extended to you. Just live any kind of way you want to live. You won't find that in here. Bible said when we get saved, he said, don't you come out of there. 
I want you to come out of there. I, when I say come out of there, I, I imagine when Jesus was carrying the cross and they, they called this one man Simon. They, they pulled him out of the crowd and he was dragging our Jesus. And I mean, he was carrying the cross over Jesus. I, I can imagine the conversation that they had like, man, what have you done to these folks? But I'm going to tell you something in a day we're living in 2018. In our actions, we're doing the same thing. We're not really treating him like he's Jesus. You said, my, my word, how could they deny that he was Jesus? How, how could they act that way, Brother Larry? How could they just spit on him? But don't we do the same thing? Don't we really do the same thing when we ignore the goodness of God? We get up every day and we won't remember one of the things that will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I know you got your picks. You think, well, them drug addicts ain't going. They might. They might. Well, I said them drunkards ain't going. Well, they might. They might make it. If grace gets extended to them. When you didn't know nothing about it. When the preacher's up there squirming. He's trying to find some words to say for that old drunk. He said, man, what can I say positive? What he didn't know. That the Lord, the Holy Ghost of God come in that old drunk man's bedroom. Amen. Right before he died. Reached out his hand. <laughs> Woo! He said, I, I mean, he's sitting there thinking about that preaching he done heard 30 years ago. That old drunk, everybody said, well, that old drunk ain't no way he made it. But I come to tell you that the long hand of God, the Bible said, you ain't got so far that my hand won't reach you. <laughs> that old drug addict can't make it. You don't know that. Bible said you can't get so far that that hand of God. I'm going to tell you something. That old, that old mean deacon might make He might make it. That preacher might make it. I tell you what, when grace is standing to you, you'll make it. Why in the world is it? By Billy Graham's statistics and now with the Baptist Association, they're a big conglomerate group. Still hold on that 70% of the church membership will die and go to the devil's hell. Billy Graham said it wasn't hard for me to figure out. 70% of the people, 70% of the cards I've got from people, he said, that got saved up in his ministry, marked that they were at one time made some kind of profession in a church apparently wasn't real. They made some kind of profession. They may have decided to join the church. They may have been the biggest worker in the church. Yes, they got baptized too. Yes, they may have been the big tither. Yes, and the Bible said many's gonna come to me in that day and say, Lord, the multitude, the majority, that word means. The majority is gonna come. You think, well, I mean, that's gonna be a, Whole lot of lost folks. When we think about lost folks, we're going to think about somebody who was around yesterday was talking so foul and you shouldn't do that. And you're going to think about all these folks that, that ain't going to church and you ain't going to. He said, but the majority, majority is going to be those that just like you are. Ain't that a crying shame? Ain't that a crying shame? Oh man, and we gotta keep this, we gotta keep this organization going. We gotta, we gotta keep this building going. So what we do, we just we just, just preach it down there, just a light said, don't make no difference. You know what? If you want to show up every three months, that'd be fine. If you don't want to give, that's fine. 
If you don't want to put your hands to plow, that's fine. You know, if you just want to just, you know, he, he's always going to be there for you. He's a jealous God. And I might not say your wife, but I'm going to tell you something. If you ever had a girlfriend, now you got to work all that out. I ain't getting in your stuff. I said a girlfriend. I'm talking about somebody that you was crazy about. I'm talking about somebody you want to be with all the time. Hear me? I mean, you couldn't keep your hands off of it. If, if there was a choir, you, you would have to tell the preacher, look, we got to sit where this thing kind of comes together. We're going to be holding hands. We're probably going to be passing notes. Don't you understand? We, we in love. And we all shook up too. <laughs> if somebody goes to mocking with that, you're going to come plumbing wild. I'm going to tell you something. Won't nobody, on the face of this earth, ever love you more than God loves you. It won't be. Now, you look at your husband. You look at your wife. You look at your children. Children, you look at mom and daddy. You say, wait a minute, I don't know. No, look at the love that they had as great as it may be. It'll never, ever compare to how much God loves you. What do you think that God's going to do when you start courting around on him and horn around on him and act like he ain't your bride that's coming back? Just use some common sense. If you can't figure out the word, there's a whole lot of things in there I can't look at. The Bible said he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back. It's, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a bride that's adorned for the groom. When we, when we see him come in the brightness, it's, it's just going to be like I know that that's the one. And already that's, that spirit's living there. That's why he said, I'm coming back for those that's looking. You women, if you had a boyfriend... If they're your boyfriend, huh? If they're your boyfriend, I said. It's real funny. I, I go to some people and they're older, you know, and I'm there preaching revival. How you doing? Shake the hands with the man. And I said, is this your girlfriend? And he done, he done 70 years old, you know. And I said, is this your girlfriend? Of course, that old geezer, Brother Harris, he, he know he said, that's my wife. I said, excuse me. He don't get it. Brother Sammy, he don't get it, and I don't share it. Now, I don't, I don't know the deal, Brother Sammy, but everybody ain't hugged up like you hugged up like a Levada. He got his feet crossed. Look here. Levada, I don't know what you've got going on right there. But I've always said if you if you treat him like the king, he'll, he'll treat you like the queen. And apparently. <laughs> don't y'all start snuggling up now just for a <laughs> we ain't taking no photo. God loves you. Won't nobody love you like he loves you. 
and he's jealous about you. Paul said, for I am. You said, now, Brother Eddie, why in the world you drag all this in here? I, Brother Charles told me kind of what he wanted to do with that sweetheart. I said, Lord, why are you doing that? Man, that's, that's just, that, that's just feed. Let's just do that deal and be done. With. All you're going to do is cause a bunch of arguments when you get home. See, just like what I did. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can imagine in the car, but after a while when y'all sit down to eat, you know that, that the wife's going to get over there and, and they're going to yell, but like, man, we, why couldn't we been in the deal? I'm just trying to tell you the love of Jesus. I'm telling you when he said, I don't never leave you nor forsake you. When he said, I'm going to be your present help in time of trouble. When he said, you ain't going to never have to wonder where I'm at. You ain't gonna, look, you ain't going to never be alone. Look, I'm going to stick closer to you than a brother. I'm just trying to tell you that this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. And you ain't never been loved like you loved him. Matter of fact, you may not even know how to love Paul says, for I am persuaded. This is the reason why God is so good. He said, he said, the reason why that I fell in love with him, the reason why I'm not thinking about doing nothing else, the reason why I'm not thinking. I told Brother Billy this morning and Gwen. Walked in, they get here early and they prepare, preparing a breakfast, you know, around six o'clock or whatever. They had gotten through. They were still putting out the orange juice. And, and I said, uh, Billy? About got all that done, ain't you? Yeah. I said, y'all want to just quit? You and Gwen want to just quit? No, sir. Gwen said, no, I want to quit. Well, I said, well, what about this morning us just quitting? Hmm. Now, what in the world would y'all think this morning if Brother Larry had to get up and make an announcement and said, I just want to let you know, I don't, I don't know how to make it easy. I don't know how to make it sweet to you. I don't know how. But Brother Eddie just quit. He said he quit. He didn't say he's resigned. He didn't say he was going somewhere else to preach. I asked him a question. I, I said, I'm quitting. I told him, I am quitting. And not only that, Brother Billy and Sister Gwen quit too. We just quit. You're going to be back a lot. Huh? All the mumbling's going to go on because the preacher and Brother Billy, he took them with him. They quit at the same time he quit. Just quit. Huh? I want to let you know something. This thing preaching, Brother Sammy. He didn't shed no more blood for me and Brother Billy and Gwen. He went through every bit as much as agony for you. He carried the cross just as long as for you. He stayed in the grave three days for you. He had to prove a fact. Look here, he wasn't just knocked out of conscience. He just didn't, look here, he just didn't go to sleep for a little time. That man was dead. Look here, on that third Easter morning, son, I tell you what, my word, Sister Patricia, my word, Carl Naylor, you remember when we was up at that hospital that night and that black man, we went up there and prayed for him. 
Spring fell out here. Look here. He done laid there so long. His old eyes done got milky, Sister Patricia. We come in the name of Jesus. I said, I'm bringing some folks up here at the church tonight. We're down on College Hill. I said, we're going to come believe in God. Look here. We went to laying hands on that man, praying for that man. Look here. I seen that big black leg throw out on the side of that bed. That wife back. Come on, wow. I tell you, we're living for a risen He done rose up several times this week, too. I ain't got to tell you what happened seven, eight years ago, ten years ago. I'm here to tell you that that same God, maybe everything's just going just fine for you, but I'm going to tell you something next week. When we need him, we're going to call him again. That brother Jerry Oliver went and got a heart cast yesterday. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him. I just claim it healed. I claim faith to raise up on that man in such a way that faith can run out of anything. Look here. He didn't have no clog arteries, mouth, nothing. They didn't send him home. You can give the credit who you want to. I give the credit to God. <laughs> Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither, that neither death death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. You don't understand what a, can I just say a boyfriend you got in Jesus? You don't understand. You don't understand. I mean, I've seen folks, man, I'm a cowboy. I've seen folks love the horse more than they love Jesus. I'll give you this little illustration. We're going to be closing. But there, there was a preacher riding down the road with me one day, and he, he was talking to me about he was going to get married. And he was going to marry this girl named was Christy, and he just pastored right over there. Matter of fact, he had a unique story. He said he preached seven years before he got saved. His name was David again. He preached right over at Shaw's Chapel Church. There's nothing bad. I'm going to tell you about this conversation. It's all good. I love him. He loves me. He said, I was just preaching. He said, I got up and smoked one time. He said, I really like that authority thing. He said, it was like I had authority. Right then, we, we knew, we talked about it. You won't never have authority. I'm just here to serve it to you. When I lay down at 8 o'clock, you can call me. When I'm laying down at 12 o'clock, you can call me. When I'm laying down at 3 o'clock, you can call me. It thrills me for you to call me at 4 o'clock in the morning and say, Pastor, I need you. That, that's what brings thrill to me because that's who I am. Bill, when you called the other day, it hurt me. I was doing something for one of our brothers, but man, I would have been there. I, I want to go there just as soon as I went to the funeral home. I'm still going. I, I still, I want to be there. Hmm. Ain't nothing... Ain't nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. It's nothing can separate it. Do you, do you understand what you got? Do you understand that you've got a God that chose to be 24 hours a day, morning and night, Sister Margaret, on call for you anytime you want him. Death ain't going to separate it. Look here, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor, nor, nor things present, nor things to come can separate. What kind of love is that? And it said, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You know the reason why? And I'm going to try to close, I think. 
You know the reason why? I just figured this out today. The Holy Ghost figured it out. I got it wrote down over there. I almost lost my thought right there. I got caught up in Listen to me. I got it. It's wrote down. If I forget it, you just tell me it's wrote down. <laughs> if I leave the building because of how much he loves me, tell me I got it wrote down. You know the reason why you won't never be separated from it? You know the reason why? It's not because you're so spiritual. It's because when you truly come, as she starts the invitation, when you truly come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and how much he loves you, How much he's been for you. King Solomon said, what is, is going to be. What, what is, is always going to be. You know what that was? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and it's always going to be. <laughs> you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what it is. That's what it's always going to be. All the invention in the world... If you want perfect peace, it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible said the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, and happiness, long-suffering. But on the other side is the envy and strife and malice and all these things. What is is always going to be and all the invention of time. There's nothing new under the sun's going to change what God is and what real living is. You know the reason why Paul got persuaded? Because won't nothing ever compare to it. When the Holy Ghost of God ever rattles your chain, and here this morning, I believe, I've got to believe that the hand of God, I don't believe, bring lost people together today so you can walk out that door not knowing that God loves you. Not knowing that there was nothing will never compare. He's gave you plenty of time to try everything else to fix all your problems. I want to ask you, how you doing with all that? That's what you said to a friend of the day. How, how's your program going not putting Jesus as a chief cornerstone? How's your problem going putting Jesus over here as a little bitty Jesus and, and, and he's a part of this deal, but let me tell you, there's a bigger deal. I mean, I, I, man, Larry, don't tell me. I mean, I know about Jesus. When the Bible, what is, always will be, said in him we complete the fullness of the Godhead body, the head of all principalities and powers, Look here, Jesus loves you. Won't nobody love you like Jesus. You know why? Ain't nothing ever going to separate you. Because won't nobody ever love you that much. Let me tell you. Huh? huh? Let me tell you something. I, I remember a place I was going one time, and, and it was almost embarrassing. They were so hugged up, that deal didn't last. The guy showed up, and he's all bruised up, and it didn't last. Huh. It didn't last. I'm going to tell you what's going to last. Jesus is going to last. There won't never be anything. Look here, when the Holy Ghost comes to you in a way and he reached down his hand, he pulls you out of that horrible pit, pulls you out of that old mire clay, puts your foot on the rock, puts his Holy Spirit in you. Now you got his spirit living inside you. You got his love living inside you. You got his forgiveness living inside of you. You got his blessed hope living inside of you. You got eternal life living inside of you. You got the power of God living inside of you. You've got a phone. Look here, you can pick up calls the Holy Spirit that you can talk to him. He said, come to me boldly. Call me, man, and tell me what you want. And when you stand before the Lord, 
and you stand before the Lord and you're like the man was out in the bottom and they sent the boat to get him and he said, look, y'all going back. He said, the Lord's going to take care of me. <laughs> Finally, they sent a bigger boat. He done climbed up on the edge of the roof, hanging on. He said, I still ain't going. The Lord's going to take care of me. Finally, they rolled by with a helicopter and then dropped the ladder and just run right by him. They just, they just hovering on him and, and the ladder and the rope just right there. Man standing up on top of the roof. Water's up there right here. Look here. It's about over. They said, man, please grab the rope and get on the helicopter. The man dies and he stands before the Lord. He said, Lord, where was you at? Where was you at? He said, where was I at? He said, I sent you two boats in a helicopter. He's throwing it out there to you today. He's throwing that love out there to you today. Why in the world he allows me to preach? I don't know why. But he just got a little old carpenter right here. Man, I'll just, I'll just find being a carpenter, just building houses. I'll just find all that. He said, come here. I said, you got to be kidding. I started doing some cowboy church. I said, oh, this is good. <laughs> One day this man called me and I was over at First Baptist, some of them. They said, you need to get Brother Eddie to come preach your revival. I said, oh, no, I ain't that serious. I'm not that serious. I'm okay. I'm just doing some cowboy churches. That's, that's, that's all good. You know, that's all good. Before I knew it, I was preaching revival, the first revival that I ever preached. Went for seven weeks. Low carpenter. Look here. If he'll do something with somebody as dumb as me, as smart as you are, just think about what he'll do with you. Just think. All that knowledge you've got and all that things you've got, just think what he do with you. I was coming out of Canton, Mississippi one day. I was preaching in Crystal Springs, Mississippi, I-55, right there at Canton, Mississippi. Come across that bridge. The Lord said, go home and build a church. I think this something. I think this something. I got, got home and started telling a story, Brother Harris. God built a church. I remember up on East Main, man, I done went through a hard time. I mean, it was raining down on my head, and they had a, they had a Pastor Appreciation Month uh, Sunday, and I, and I, I mean, I was, I'm talking about I done been beat down by the world. I, you couldn't beat down no more. I done, I done been through one hell deal, and here come another hell deal, and, and, and I had to tell something that, that had been bad and, and happened in my, in my family. I, I had to tell it, and I said, Lord, I ain't, I ain't worthy. I can't do it no more. The children and the youth got up and sung a song, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm the life that was saved. Every one of you folks is invested in the God's kingdom. Ain't no, little, ain't no big eyes and little U's. Boy, we, we, we talked yesterday about that woman that gave them two little pennies. Says, who gave the most? Well, that person's always, that, that's fine. Who gave the most? Lord said, she did. They said, how could that be so? The Bible that teaches said, because she gave all she had. How far are you from giving all you got? How far am I from giving all that you got? I remember the day that me and Bill went down, down there, the biggest thing we've ever done. Brother Harris, we went right down there and had a little sign, Future Home of Christ Church, the biggest thing. Because one thing I didn't want to be is no blame liar. The town was already saying they ain't going to last six months, Donna. We're down on the East Main praising God and everybody didn't let out of church. We still having church. We making them religious folks so mad they couldn't stand it. 
They saying we was carrying snakes and everything else. They should have known that was a blasted lie. I'm scared to death, snake. <laughs> Man, you run me anywhere. If you don't want me on your property, just throw a snake out there. I see you. Nah, 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 I'm gone. I'm out of here. Oh, we went down digging that in the rain. It was in the rain, Bill. But we set that sign, Sister Donna, future home of Christ church. I said, boy, that puts me in a jam. Boy, that puts me in a jam. Boy, you know what y'all went to giving? Y'all went to doing thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. That, that, what you give, every time, every time something's done through this church. When them kids got up there to sing, when them kids written right back yonder today and they sitting up under some light and they in a warm place, they ain't cold and freezing back in that corner. I'm going to tell you something, you've done that children's church back there. You've done it. You've done it. When you've seen them stand up here and sing on Christmas morning, you've done it. you provided a place. you provided a seat. you provided a sheetrock. you provided life. You've done it. Thank you for giving to the Lord. What is, is always going to be. There's always going to be a remnant. I preached last Wednesday night, except there be a remnant. It's going to be a remnant somewhere. All the way to the end. Let me tell you something. You may not. You may not decide today that you're going to be that one. But your children, you might not never see their children. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of it. But the Bible said this gospel is going to endure to all generations. Brother Ed, I don't know if the church is going to be. Oh, yeah. He's coming back for the church. The church is going to be here. 